Hello, everybody, and welcome to What's the Story podcast. This is WTS 269. My name is Danny Murray. And I'm Graham Merrigan. Merrow, how are you this week, my friend? Good, excellent. How are you? Yeah, doing great, man. Doing great. I'm, uh, what is it? What is it? It's Wednesday as we record this, so we're halfway through the week. Um, and it's a bank holiday weekend, Merrow. It's a bank mm-hmm. holiday weekend. I'm working on Monday, so woo. That's the downside of working for a big joint American company. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get a day in lieu and all that kind of cracker? Ah, yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. So it's not too I, bad. It, it's what is it now? It's Wednesday now. I could yeah. potentially chance my arm and get it off, but I think it's probably too late. Yeah, yeah. And sure, as you, it's, it's nice to have a little day up your sleeve that you know. Absolutely. That's, yeah. Ah, yeah, that's grand. That's it's grand. not my first rodeo. I wouldn't ever suggest anything as your horse rodeo. It won't be um it won't be long. Well actually firstly it got great re- we got great reaction uh from the pod last week. Um great to be back, uh, lads. It was great to be back. But uh, the start the intro of the pod last week it was a lot mm. of me questioning you about your recent op and uh, yeah. I'm just saying it's 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 mad because as you said, we talk every day on audio notes and stuff, but it won't be long now before I'm calling you skinny because you look fresh to death again. And that's just the haircut, mate. That's no, just it's haircut. not. It's the it fucking and the, the. You're gone from six chains to three chains now. That's mad because last week was 16 chains. So I'm, I must be doing fucking <laughs> something right. Anyway. Well, I can't remember um, what I said last <laughs> week. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, look, man. As I said, look, th- things are going well. I'm, I'm very, very happy. I'm, uh, I'm healthy and I'm getting healthier. So. And how are your shits? I'm, I'm regular, as they would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's yeah, yeah. So yeah, look, I'm I, I'm just over four weeks post surgery now, so everything is taking along nicely. And um, yeah, we have we've gotten touch with with somebody who was far, 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 far more qualified to speak about the ins and outs of all these things. And hopefully, we'll be bringing you that episode very, very soon and whatnot. But yeah, look, I just want to say as well, thanks, man. A lot of people actually reached out after hearing uh, the intro and you asked me questions and everything else and they got in touch with me just to wish me well and ask me a couple of questions and that kind of thing. And yeah, it was, it, was, it was lovely to hear from people. Some people I haven't heard from for a while because they're listeners and you don't... Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes they're confused that they're not friends. Yeah. They are friends, but they're not friends that you communicate with. Do you know what I mean? And then yeah. they, you know them from getting in touch over the years for listening to the podcast and all that. And, you know, so anyway, there's Sugsy saying hello. Oh, yes, Sugsy. Look at him. Gorgeous dog, man. Gorgeous. Looking up there. Very he's well. looking. He's looking at Danny's. He's listening out for Danny's voice. He's, he's like a, a, a stunning dog. Stunning. Uh, yeah. No. Well. Well said. Well said. What have we got lined up this week? This week we're going. We've never ever ever done a motoring episode, Graham. So I follow a well-known Irish motoring journalist and TikTok sensation and just uh, YouTube and social media sensation Bob Flavin. And earlier in the week I said, you know what? I'll get in touch with Bob and see if he has a bit of time for two agents like us and have a chat. And he did very graciously. And uh, he's coming up right now, the wonderful Bob Flavin. Delighted, delighted to be joined by our guest this week, modern journalist, a man with uh, one of the most popular Irish YouTube channels as well. And he knows more about cars and he's forgotten more about cars than we'll ever know. Uh, the wonderful Bob Flavin, who was only fresh off uh, playing from Sweden as well. So thanks me for joining it's, us, Bob. I'm shower fresh. <laughs> 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 the heat of airplanes is enough for the day. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't been on an airplane since uh, that thing that landed there a couple of years ago that we don't talk about anymore. Yeah. And, I never uh, really stopped traveling. I was still traveling for most of COVID every once in a while. Yeah. Be on, it's, it's a job. It was your job. You're allowed to travel for your job, so... Yeah. We well, ended up on planes yeah, yeah, yeah. and be on and everything. 
What was it like? That's, that's the dream of playing on your own. I want. Oh. It's very weird. It's surreal, lads. I swear. You walk into an airport and there's like four people in the whole airport with you, and the security guard knows your name because you were there two or three days ago, and he's the same security guard was there two or three days before that. Uh, and then you get on the plane, and you've got like two um, uh, helpers for you. Essentially, they've nothing else to do. You're the only one on the plane, <laughs> so, but you can't eat and you can't drink. You got a mask on it all that. So there's not much yeah. they can do for you other than just be there. And in the event of the plane crashing, they can hold hands to you or something. <laughs> That's kind of all it is. But it is kind of surreal uh, traveling during lockdown times when it was really locked down. Very strange, like a really weird. And then when you're going to events, you're driving cars, you have to be put into the car on your own. They have to leave you alone. It's all kind of strange and weird. I'm glad yeah. it's over. Yeah, it's, it's back to a bit of normality now. And- yeah, I'm not going back. I'm never going back to that again. That mask wearing stuff. It's just, I'll do it if I have to. But mm. I just... I don't see it. It was driving me mad. It was absolutely, I'd take them with the mask off and all the shop and just throw it in the bin. I just said, enough of that. No more of that. I want to get rid of that stuff. Yeah, I think um, I think everyone's reached a bit of fatigue with it all now and that kind of thing. But hopefully, and I mean, look, if the, if the jabs are doing the, the job and all that kind of thing, then, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I'd say traveling now because you've got the, you you had the experience of it when, like they were saying, it was empty airports. It's horrible and now. Yeah, now you're like, oh, I'd nearly oh. go back to lockdown just to <laughs> get rid of the smell of human bodies. Because <laughs> oh. Sweden, I was in Sweden. Sweden didn't do lockdowns or mass or nothing, right? They were, they were the outlier of Europe, so they didn't enforce any social distancing, nothing, right? They stuck a couple of notices up here and there on shop doors, like you're entering the premises, good luck. Uh, but they didn't do anything about it, and they still haven't. So when you when you reach Sweden, essentially only foreign visitors are wearing masks. They're right. the only ones in the airport. You'll see some of the foreign visitors who come in from different countries come in wearing a mask, uh, and then they realize no one else is wearing a mask and just wander around the place. So they've got a, and they say it didn't do anything to them. They got this, essentially the same results we got, whether they wore masks or not. So did lockdown work? Who knows? But. Um, the, the, the Swedish have a different way about it, but the Swedish airport in Stockholm is enormous and Stockholm city is a huge sprawl of a thing. It goes on forever because mm. it's all out in islands. Water is yeah. a massive feature of an archipelago there of islands that are all out in the edge. It's all part of Stockholm and Sweden, but it's a, you could be in a hotel on an island connected by a bridge to not mainland, another island. <laughs> so lots of little tiny islands. Um, and so it's quite hard to navigate around uh, Stockholm. So for visitors, if you're going like for two nights or three nights or something, you're probably not going to see a whole lot other than the main city center. It's yeah. so hard to get to places. Uh, it's yeah. a vast country. How are you? Because obviously, as you said, you're, you're shower fresh. Um, are yeah. you able to say what car brought you over there? That kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. I was over to Kia. Uh, Kia, um, Ireland brought us over to Kia, Europe to test a new EV6 GT. So it's a full electric car. E- people might be familiar with the Kia EV6, which is the one that's been out recently. There's an Earth model and a GT line model. Uh, it's full electric, a 77 kilowatt hour battery. So it does about 450 to 500 kilometers range. But the one that I went to go look at is the fast version of that car. So they're bringing out a sports car version of it. And it's 585 horsepower. Uh, not to 100 kilometers an hour, about three and a half seconds. So three electric cars, are, yeah, it's it's lightning quick. Like this is, it's really shove you back in the seat and your head flips back and it's a really crazy store. <clears throat> the, the key of, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with cars or how cars run normally. So uh, an internal combustion engine is what we, we've had up until now, mm. right? So you've got a series of very tiny explosions happening inside of an engine and it pushes a piston up and down and that piston drives the drive shaft. And that's essentially how a car in a very simplistic form, works, right? 
uh, that combustion is not very efficient. So that little that little explosion has to be harnessed, and you have to create compression inside the engine to make it run. If that compression is not created, you're not getting power. You don't get power to the car. So an, an internal combustion is only about 50% efficient. Uh, the rest is lost in heat. Uh, the car gets so warm, it has to dissipate all its heat. So it loses an awful lot of power out, whereas electric uh, motors are about 97% efficient. So they only lose about 3% that are powered through uh, different resistance within the engine. So moving parts that are being resisted from being heated up. Heat is the enemy of everything with electric cars. So yeah. the cooler they stay, the farther they can go. So right, you know, I'll put my hands up straight away and say, I love motor racing and all that, right? but yeah. I'm not... I, I, like when all my mates were getting into cars when we were younger and they all became kind of like, you know, boy racers and that kind of thing. Yeah. I just kind of went, they're nice to look at. And I never bothered looking under the bonnet for car ever. Yeah. To this, and to this day, a lovely Opel insignia. And thank God it's never given me any trouble because if it breaks down, I won't know where to fucking look. Right? That's probably 95% of people in Ireland. Like you're, you're yeah. not, you're in the majority by Absolutely. a long way. Most people don't ever touch the bonnet. Absolutely right. So when you're saying this about EVs, right? I'm because like that, like my car's a 2014. So I'm starting to get to that point where I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to look at a newer model soon enough. Yeah. And because everyone's talking about EVs and you're kind of hemming and on, do I go electric? Do I stay? I've got a diesel at the moment. You know, I'm I'm in Port Leash, I'm up and down to Dublin a bit, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So this new Kia EV that you were talking about that has four or five hundred kilometer range or whatever. Uh-huh. That sounds like it could be something that, you know, it, for people who are commuting and that kind of thing, it sounds like it could fit the bill. Yeah. Well, you see, the problem is for, for the last hundred, we've only had cars for about a hundred years, right? Mm. Uh, so in 1900, there was more electric taxis in London than there was horse-drawn carriages in London. So uh, battery-powered vehicles were around first, long, long before the internal combustion, because battery-powered vehicles are much simpler Essentially, you have an electric motor that's connected to a battery, it's connected to a drive shaft. You press a pedal, it goes. There's no gearboxes, there's no clutches, there's no, you don't have to have a limited slip differentials, right? You don't have to have, we do these days because there's just so much power in it now. You need to kind of tame the power a bit. But the old fashioned ones were so slow anyway, they're just a little bit faster than a horse. But the problem was they were running on disposable batteries. So <laughs> you, right. you ran the battery flat, you threw it in the bin, put another battery in, and off you went again. Right? That's it. Then we got renewable batteries. So, but what happened there was the First World War, right? So in 1916, we all went to war and batteries were useless on the front line. So we invented the internal combustion engine put into vehicles that could move troops long distances uh, and food. And then we decided we wanted to fly with these little engines as well. So we put the piston engines into airplanes. And when you went, did a barrel roll, all the fuel went into the engine and went on fire and it crashed. So then they figured out they could do that. That's, that's what the, because you can't turn the car upside down, all the fuel will come out. Right? So it's just follow. That's what they did with airplanes. So they put an engine in it, took off, done a barrel roll, <laughs> went on fire and just burned that. Every day so they school day, Merlo. Yeah, so, <laughs> absolutely. And so we, we continued with the, because of the First World War, we continued with the internal combustion engine, not with batteries. So batteries fell apart. And, and people like uh, Thomas Edison was involved in the first batteries. Henry Ford, Thomas Edison set up Henry Ford in his first job. And the two of them worked together to make battery electric vehicles. But then the Model T Ford came out and that was very popular. And then they just started making Model T, which is internal combustion. Uh, but now we come full cycle. We've realized internal combustion, if you burn it, it creates carbon. Whatever you're setting fire to, carbon is created. Whether it's a fireplace or a car, if you, st- if you burn it, it 
you create CO2 emissions. You also create NOx and, and other kind of bad particle stuff. Uh, and so what we're trying to do now is go the other route. It doesn't have to be this or that. You don't have to go electric or otherwise. But what electric does, it's not electric. It's battery powered. Electric is the bit that goes into the battery, fuels it up, but it's essentially a battery powered vehicle, right? So what we're doing now is we have hugely uh, efficient battery systems, huge big things. They're nearly the size of a car on their own and they're flat mm-hmm. and they're under the floor. But you don't have a gearbox. You don't have a clutch. You have fly-by-wire everything. So your, your throttle response is all done by computer-generated things. You can do computer steering. You, you, you basically brought a mobile phone and put four wheels on it. That's essentially you, the power of the stuff that's in it is incredible now. Yeah. But they're also superbly efficient. You have to modify your driving style a little bit. The, the infrastructure of the country is crap. It's just straightforward. I have no problem saying the ESB has done a very badly mismanaged job and we don't have enough competition. They haven't been given enough funding. It's like a retirement home. I don't know what they're at. It's It's been voted now the worst infrastructure in Europe. We were the best. I saw this in your Instagram the other day where it was a, it was a Skoda you were driving and was it, yeah. you, were, you were in Donegal, you were down... Yeah, Skoda Enyaq, yeah. Yeah, and a lovely car, but I, I saw you saying about like the charging the infrastructure. infrastructure is what well, the car was perfect but it's the yep. charging infrastructure i did a thousand over a thousand kilometers on enyaq on, on electric uh yeah. so on battery so i drove from dublin to donegal didn't charge all the way there charged in letter kenny to about 95 percent or something set off the next day charged once on the way down in tune and then got to my destination and it was 550 kilometers in a day now nobody do- i'm insane right Nobody does that. Nobody gets yeah. in the car and drives 500 kilometers in one shot, right? I would, because I want to see if it can be done. That's So I'm only interested in that. So there's a video coming out from that. But the infrastructure I found along the way, what happens is you set a sat-nav, and the sat-nav will go, that's beyond the range of the car. So it will bring you by a charge point. So it'll bring you there. So it'll say the journey goes from three hours to four hours, because it's it's gauging an hour at a charge point to make it charge up again. So yeah. you don't really know what it's doing. You just put it in the charge point and plug it in. When I got to the job, and it wasn't working, and I was going to say fire this place, I only had 40 <laughs> kilometers range left, and I'm sitting in a petrol station. Like, if it was a petrol-powered car, it's a petrol in and keep going. But the, it was broken. The, the charge point was broken. ESB guy says to me that, that he knew it was broken. That it had four or five calls that day from electric car owners who all said it was broke, but it was still in service on the apps, on the, on the electronic systems. It says it's working. So you go for it. Because yeah. there's not many of them, so you're going to go over that one. Uh, I ended up having to get home at like half past nine that night after limping my way to a Tesco to charge for half an hour on a 22 kilowatt slow charger. Just What's to get again, enough a half an hour? Uh, on a 22 kilowatt, you'll get about three or 4%. It's not very much. On a fast charger, a half an hour will probably bring you back up to maybe 50% on 50 kilowatts or above. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just like your fire hose. Like, you know, a hose at home, you put your hand over the, the bottom of the hose and it comes out really, really fast, but there's not much water being used. If you take your finger off, it just pours out. That's fa- the difference between fast and slow charges. It's the same electricity, just comes out slower. I also read, I read from a disability group that um, a lot of the charging points aren't accessible. In 100% the of the charging points are not acceptable. For 100%. any a hundred percent of them are not acceptable for wheelchair users. Either the space is too small or the cable is too heavy. So you being in a wheelchair, if your upper body strength is not up there, you're going to find it nearly impossible to lift that cable off its cradle and plug it into your car because the car can't get close enough. The cable's going to stretch. 
we have a, a fast charge point in one of the plazas here in Port Leash, uh, and it's meant to be a 150 kilowatt charger. And what they've done is put a liquid cooled cable in. Now, liquid cool is good because it keeps the cable cool while it's running, but it also makes the cable the diameter of a like a big sausage, like a huge big Frankfurt, like weighs a ton. I struggle with that one. So I can't imagine anyone who's, unless their upper body is just average size and they're used to lifting heavy weights, they're going to be okay. But yeah. anyone else who's... Well, I was shopping around. Like, I, I, I got a Scottish Superb last July, but I was, I was uh, shopping around for an electric car and mm. I didn't even consider that the ports were not accessible. I yeah. was only looking out for what journey a, a full charge would get me and stuff like yeah. that. Um, 95% so. of your journeys will be charged at home. Realistically, you're go- you, because that's your cheapest electricity by a long way, right? So you could be paying 18 to 20 cent per kilowatt at home. You're going to pay double that at a charge point out the street. So, and you may have to pay for parking as well. A lot of people don't take that into account. You might end up, because if you're parking in a public car park while you're charging, some councils make you pay for parking as well as charging so you're paying on the double so we're so backward we have we we have yeah, not homogenized this... this idea so as a really good example i was in norway about uh four weeks ago or so mm-hmm. uh, and i spoke to um a norwegian norway norway leads the way on electric car they're held up as like everybody should be like the norwegians you know yay great norwegian we're not like it but how did you get to 60 percent of your fleet being Electric. That's what they did. They got. They really did it. It cost them nine point four billion in euros. They reckoned in grants and just infrastructure things, and it took them about nine years, nine to nine and a half years. So about a billion a year was spent by Norway on the infrastructure part of it. So there. So wherever you go in Norway, there's a charge point somewhere yeah. right beside you. It'll be there wherever. Landmarks all accessible, all in a way that you can stretch the cable much further. Light cables. They've thought of this is. They came up against the same roadblock you're coming up against now, but they came up against it six or eight years ago and went, oh, yeah, we better do something for the wheelchair user. And everything becomes accessible. Then. They've even created the so reverse who, who of petrol. consultant, Mr. Bean? None. They don't consult anybody. See, when when e-cars have been around, Nissan Leaf is about 10 years old. So the e-car thing was around for 10 years ago, but the sales were dismal. Like you're talking mm. about selling two and three cars a year that were electric. Nobody wanted the thing. And at that time, ESB got a very small amount of money to try and do something. So they went off and they'd done their plotting and they've got their charge points and they put them in. But those charge points are now 10 years old. So they're old fashioned, like they're really old. They're battered. And they've put in brand new ones recently, but they can't get enough power to them. There's planning permission problems. If they want, if you want to put a charge point in a petrol station, you need planning permission from the owner of the land, not the, not the manager or the owner of the petrol station. It could be a franchisee. He may not own the land it stands on because so, it's a massive undertaking to put these things in. So they have to get permission from lads who go, no, I'm, I'm go- you're going to pay me a million quid to put them in. So all of a sudden, then you have to bribe a guy to get <laughs> So this is, this is happening. And this is the kind of, instead of doing something for humanity to move this forward and stop the arguments, because that's what's causing the arguments, mm-hmm. they're now just bogged down in paperwork. That's essentially what we're doing here. Instead of going to Norway and going to Sweden, going to places that I'm going, or even consulting with motoring journalists like me who have that experience and have already done it. We've already seen the golden goose. We've already got that. We know yeah. how to do it. If they just talk to us, we'd actually tell them straight up, this is how you do it. It's, here, it's really straightforward. So and is Norway is- the best in the world or is it the best in Europe? Uh, Norway would be the number one place for EV uh, ownership in the world. Wow. Uh, by far, so much so they actually stopped their allotments. So that 
because nobody else could buy an EV in Europe because Norway was buying all of them. They were just gone. There was none to be got. So every allotment of EV was just been sold in Norway. A Tesla throttled off, stopped selling Teslas up there. Some of the taxis have gone to Toyota hybrids because they just yeah. can't get any electric cars at the moment. It's very hard to get electric cars. So the, but, the government here has a target of like, it's it's just under, it's like 950,000 electric vehicles by 2030 or something like that. Mm. Is Dreamland. <laughs> based on what you're saying, there's not a hope. No, not a prayer. There's, there's a number of factors why that can't possibly happen. There's a physical factor. First of all, we have 2.5 million cars on the road now, privately owned cars. So 2.5 million, keep that number in your head. So to get a million EVs on a car, we need 1 million owners to get their petrol powered cars off the road or a million owners to buy a second car. That's the only way we could do this. Yeah. So then we have three and a half million cars on the road and a million of them are EVs, right? So we've, we've increased the amount of cars instead of, we, we need to stop making new things. That's, <laughs> we need to stop with these stupid targets because it's not going to work. So if you were buying a brand new car right now and you wanted an EV, you're going to spend a minimum of 40 grand to start you out. That's, if you want yeah. a brand new EV, if you're looking for the thing that I was driving today, uh, it's 75,000 euro. If you want a good BMW, it's 120. I definitely, I definitely don't have 120 grand lying around for now. So one, nobody honestly. does. Yeah. This is the PCP bubble. This is this, this personal contract plan. They're spending the money. They're, nobody has that kind of money. That, they're, that PCP they're, stuff is They're firing money out. It. It's it is. Mad. It's a bubble and it's happening every day. And no one even knows it because you're flipping your car over three years now. Yeah, you don't really yeah. notice it. But that's the only way else. You have to go into debt to save the world, essentially, is what you're being told. You know what I mean? So if, you, if you're being told to buy an EV, you're going to have to go into debt at some point. So if you don't... If you own a car now and you actually own it and you're not paying it, that's a big decision. That's that's the family holiday gone because mm. you want to buy an EV. You know what I mean? And usually the family holiday wins and we're going into recession and we're going into problem spending and people just don't have that kind of income. Wages are going down and have been depressed for years. I mean, interest rates might be rising. All them things are rising. Wages aren't. So where's this money coming from? How is Eamon Ryan going to find 60 grand for every single family in this country to buy themselves an EV. So, and there are, there are grants, but they're, they're just, they're, they're a bit weak sauce, are they? The, well, you get five grand of a grant on your first EV. Okay. Uh, the grant, the EV can't cost more than five, 50,000, I think it is, or 55. That's the maximum amount of it. Uh, so far, we've spent 61 million euro in Ireland giving grants to people to buy EVs. The vast majority of people who bought EVs already are very wealthy people. Yeah, uh, they work in tech companies. They earn about hundred grand a year. They're very techy people, or they're very wealthy people just buying the fun. Now it's we've the right, given the right Americans the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've given these guys, these really wealthy people, the grant, and we're not giving the grant to people who can't afford to buy a car. Yeah, it's the most three means tested. Like it's the Norwegians have taken away their grant entirely. They're just going to cancel it now because most people have bought an EV at some point and they don't need a grant anymore. So they're going to save themselves that kind of money. We also give this 5,000 euro off VRT. That only benefits the dealership, really. So essentially, we give about 10,000 euro off the car. So if a car sticker price is 60,000, it's 50,000, essentially. But the dealers will just give it a sticker price anyway. So you don't really see that grantee saving thing. This is going to cars 53,000 euros. That's including the government grants. So it's actually 63,000 euros. <laughs> so you're buying very, like the old five-door family hatchback for 25 grand that dad would have bought to drive the kids and the mom up the world. Mm. That traditional old thing that's now dead and gone, the car itself is also dead and gone. That five-door hatchback just doesn't exist for 25 grand anymore. Now it's 35. 
Yeah. Minimum. That's a petrol powered one. That's that's why cars like Dacia are you see them everywhere because yep. it's it's the most affordable way to have a new car. Yeah, and if you're coming out of a 10-year-old car, if you've got a 10-year-old car now and you get into a Dacia, it's ultra-modern. Like, it's mm. got touchscreens, it's got Apple CarPlay, it's got cruise control, it's got active cruise control, it's got absolutely every mod con you want in it. But they managed to build them much cheaper, uh, much more affordably in the plant in Romania is where they're all built and they're brought over here. They're very proud of their product in Romania. I've been there a couple of times in Romania. They they like their Dacias. You say something wrong about Dacia, the Romanians come. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They don't like that. Yeah. So, like, is it realistic to think then that like EV numbers are going to go up dramatically over the next even five years, or is it a case of you know, like if they if you build it, they will come, but they haven't built it. So, you know, we need massive investment in infrastructure. Uh, we need massive investment in training. A lot of people who are buying EVs are buying from a dealership who only think in numbers, and I don't blame the dealership. They just want to sell cars. Mm. They don't care if the car is powered by fairy dust. They just want to move cars, right? So there's no real training. A lot of owners will come on to me on Instagram or TikTok and go, I just want an electric car and I have no idea how to charge this. My first day ever charging the car. And there's a there's a panic thing. Uh, and so it shouldn't really be up to journalists to do that sort of stuff. But that needs to be invested. You need to invest in that part. So take the sting out. of it. So it's not this or that. We seem to be polarizing ourselves in modern society, choosing left or right, black or white, you know, there's always this two choicey thing that we keep doing to ourselves instead of saying, well, we can actually have both. <laughs> we can, you can do both these things. You can have a petrol car and have an electric car. And that's okay. And eventually the petrol car will go away because they have a lifespan and they die off. And we love driving electric because that's all car companies are going to produce soon. Most car companies are going full EV and they'll stop producing uh, internal combustion from 2030 anyway. So we won't get new cars that are petrol powered or diesel powered or any other power other than batteries. And so it's it's really it's a target that could have been achieved had we started ten years ago. We would all be there now. You know what I mean? If we'd mm-hmm. actually put some effort into it, even five years ago, if there's a little bit of effort. Now you got the Green Party panicking every time CO two emissions, everything, agriculture, cull the herd, bring the farmers in. We want thirty percent reduction. We want to get rid of all the cars. It's just like Eamon Ryan is anti car, not anti internal combustion. He's just anti personal ownership of cars he wants you on bicycles scooters and things and that's admirable i get it but this country has a an abysmal record of of public transport like the alternative to the car is impossible and you as a wheelchair user would be able to test to this straight off the public transport has forgotten completely the disabled yeah Yeah. i mean there's one one wheelchair user is allowed on a dublin bus at one time (laughs) because wheelchair users don't have friends in wheelchairs like my God, not pathetic. Like they even think and then, that that and rule then exists. If you, get, if you get the air coach, um, what I, happens when I, a pram gets on with you? Some well, a woman the, with a pram. The pram. If the pram's on first, it's up to the driver to tell the 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 person with the pram, to, you know, fold it up and hold the child. Sometimes that can be very very tricky situation. Now I drive, but I experience enough. I have enough lived experience to to have witnessed these situations. And um, we're on the we're on the bus route for the National Rehabilitation Hospital, where a lot of the patients would be going out for the day, or you know, and they'd be they be the bus stop is right outside. I've often been on a bus where there's two wheelchair users on the at the bus stop waiting to get on the seven. And I'm on the bus. The driver has to tell them, sorry, I already have a wheelchair user. Then the next bus comes along and only one of them can get on the bus and then the other bus behind that. Do you know what I mean? It's a shit show. But the air coach, oh my God. 
Air coach is even even worse. I mean, air coach. Um, I was in Bosnia in June with the Irish wheelchair basketball team, and we had three players meeting us in Dublin Airport from Cork. They got the we were meeting at three a.m. and they were getting the air coach at 12, 12 o'clock midnight, and the the air coach rocked up, and your man looked at them and said, "Nobody told me about you." And the lads are like. What special notification? He said, Jesus. "I I wasn't told. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't told about this. I won't. I, I won't be able to get the stair lift down. I wasn't told." And the, so the lads were fighting back and forth. There was two wheelchair users and one uh, one minimal disability, and the two wheelchair users had to bum up the stairs of the airport oh, to get on it. Because the driver wasn't aware, wasn't told, didn't pre, because it there can be a delay in getting the the ex, uh, special lift at the back of the air coach down. Mm. I, I had an experience about ten years ago with air coach where six a.m. going into Dublin Airport, I rocked up and he said to me as well, nobody told me. I says, what do you mean nobody told you? He says nobody told me I had to get the the, the lift ready. So the, my <laughs> friends, luckily my friends were there. They lifted me on. So it's a shit show. That kind of stuff is fucking like it's just. I remember even because the, the the dart even where you have to kind of give notice and they have yeah. to have to. Fill you don't for a bicycle in the dart. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but I was only thinking about this bike. I was only thinking about this the other day because the the Bray Air show was on and there was all the coverage around. Yeah. The, the lads basically having to get off the dart in the yeah. middle of the tracks, like, and I was like, fucking what if. Merrow or what if you know a wheelchair user decided to go out the braid to catch the air? So I'd have been very, thrilled, man. Very normal thing to do, but you'd been abandoned on the bleeding dart, like yeah, yeah. yeah. The lads at the air coach were like to the driver. The driver had no empathy. The lads are like, we're on our way to Dublin Airport to represent Ireland. Athletes, like, we're yeah. athletes. And, and the two lads, one of them was a double amputee, had to bum up the let the stairs. But that's the, you see, there's there's my problem with. Uh, it kind of the way it's represented, the way everything is represented. Now, we do enough to tick the box, yeah, and then we let it go. We're supposed to treat humans, other humans, like we want to be treated ourselves, right? Yeah. So, if my brother or sister, uncle, aunt, wife, whatever it is, was disabled, I would be in a different mindset all the time, simply because you're thinking, you know, you'll 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 think like a disabled person because it's very close to your life. Mm. But because for a lot of people, there's no connection to it at all until you see it physically in front of you. Someone coming at you in a wheelchair and you go, oh, look, there's a wheelchair user. It's only at that moment that people start to think about what, what they can and can't do. Yeah. And that's unfortunate for us because we don't build infrastructure around disabilities. We don't think about the levels of disability, which, like I was saying earlier, a heart condition can be a disability. You know, mm. you can have even like pacemakers could be counted as like a disability these days. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, they're all very common, but they're invisible. You can't see that. You can yeah. see a wheelchair. There's there's the big difference between it. You can see it coming at you. It becomes this thing that we need to understand that people are just normal people trying to carry on their daily life you, to have a wheelchair. You were saying there, Bob, as well, that, um, you know, the infrastructure for the transport and for, for electric is, is just isn't there. And yep. you think that the likes of the government or whoever the stakeholders are would get in touch with people like you for advice and how you yeah. what's your lived experience. That's the same as, as wheelchair users or people with disabilities. Why aren't we involved in, in the stakeholder leadership meetings to bring this in? For example, Irish Rail have bought a fleet of trains. Uh, I think they've brought them in from Japan. Um, secondhand fleet of trains that aren't accessible. <laughs> Brilliant. 
It's 2022 and Irish Rail, who have a notorious shit record for people with disabilities, whether it's you have to plan your uh, uh, travel 24 hours in advance, whether it's the lifts not working at stations, they go and buy another fleet. Like there's fleets available in Berlin. I've been in European cities. I've been all over the world at cities where trains, public transport, the platform comes out from under the train and goes down. It's automatic. I seen it in I mean, Sweden the other day. Literally, the the, the uh, express train takes eighteen minutes to get from the airport to the city center of Stockholm, and as it pulls up, it's so fast that this thing just comes up, and the guy steps out, and he goes like thumbs up to your man, and the door shuts, and they're gone again. It's just really fast. But there was a wheelchair user there, and without batting an eyelid, the little ramp and zinc out, on he wobbled, and the little ramp disappeared again. There you go. It, it was instantaneous. There was no one involved. The wheelchair user did it all by themselves. They didn't, there was no, they, yeah. they had no minders with them, no one else with them, just rolled on and rolled off. It's mad it is. It's just, it's it, even in, like in the car industry, when, when cars are being developed, is there any, uh, like, is there any, um, I mean, I, my first ever car was a Ford Focus. Uh, it was yeah. a three-door Ford Focus. And I was told uh, a person with a disability had a say in the development of that car. And yeah. They Not bring on. Made. They always bring them on. They always have. They always have disabled people on the design team, on the engineering team. They're oh, always yeah. there. Yeah. Um, most car companies. You'd be surprised how. I know car companies get an awful bad reputation for being very bad for the environment, but they're actually incredibly con- inclusive things. As as a as a unit, as a thing, a car company has everyone working from it from across every kind of spectrum you can imagine. Uh, all backgrounds are minded. Like they've gone to. Um, not using leather anymore. That that's essentially gone. Now. They're going to use. We call it pleather. I don't think it's actually what's supposed to be called. We call it pleather. It looks like leather, but it's not. It's synthetic stuff. Uh, they have vegan interiors. They have LED interiors that are not going to do it. It's all uh, recycled materials. They use old donkey jackets and plastic bottles and stuff. Recycle them, turn them into dashboards. That's what they're doing. So they're they're, they're doing their bit for the environment. Though. They're on the cutting edge of that. And every single time the car design, the measurements of doors and stuff is all they talk about is how disabled people can use this car, use this vehicle. Is it suitable? They'll just tell you straight out, it's just not suitable. We didn't design it with that in mind. We designed it as a race car. We're sorry. We'll cut it in half for you and put you into it. It's fine. Then whatever needs to be done, they get it done. They'll sell the car. But also, they're they're so diverse. It's They've got a list of priorities. But I know designers show you sketches and stuff, and there's actually pictures of the cars behind me here that can't be possibly driven. They're crazy looking yokes, you know, those kind of mm. prototype yokes. But then at one point, like the, the two of the chief engineers that I know working for car companies are both wheelchair users. So these guys, oh. you know, they they understand exactly what has to happen here to make this. But you have to also remember that the vast majority of people who are going to buy a car are not disabled. So yeah. the, the primary audience has to like and enjoy driving the car. So there's certain cars that really lend themselves very well for disabled drivers. Skoda is one of them. It's been a top priority for Skoda for something like 30 years now. Uh, to have disabled friendly, they'll rekit your car for hand controls, all that stuff. That's all in their packaging. That's uh, you can actually get it as press releases stuff from Skoda. So unfortunately, you have quick. to pay for them separately. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's the crazy. We, again, we don't do it. You just think, just put them in. <laughs> it's yeah. not that hard. Yeah. Just put, just put it in. It's so easy. But it, there's always, if there's money to be made, someone's going to try to make money of it, and that's unfortunately what happens. But now, country. what it they've done everything. as well with the hand control system, Bob, is that like. In my latest car, <laughs> no, in my latest car, so pr- previous cars, I've called a guy from Leash, actually, um, Tom McLaughlin. Mm. And 
I've asked Tom, and Tom has done my adaptions. He literally comes out to the house, uh, takes the adaptions out of the old car, puts them in the new car, job done, 300 quid or whatever. But now the government changed it, the Motability Ireland are the only people that can do that now. Oh, some sort of health and safety. Or crap, unless, is it? Unless, I, unless I bring my car to Tom in leash. How so, are you supposed to drive the car without the hand controls? <laughs> there you go. Nice. And you're without well done, a car. Government. You're without a, a little round of applause. <laughs> down down that road as well. When you buy a new car, you're actually without a car for two days because they they take your old car, they bring yeah. it out to Mobility Ireland, and then they bring the new car out. They do the change over, and then you get it back. There's a fantastic name for that, Graham. It's called a monopoly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's quite simply. Why did the government ruin it all the time? For even yeah, no. Tom well, told me on the phone he's down so much money because of this. Because yeah. he used to be able to go all over Ireland and do his adaptions on the driveway yeah. of, of the homeowner of the the owner of the new car, and now the owners have to go to him, so he can essentially only do the people the, the, the people the disabled people at least. He's the he can only do that now. See, somebody in a health and safety, if you employ a health and safety officer, they're going to do something to make their job worthwhile, right? So, you know, when someone goes in, we need a health and safety officer, and all of a sudden, the health and safety officer is looking at the windows and the doors and, and the plug tops, and all of a sudden, there's a pile of rules that were never, everybody knew the rule, but now it's written down. <laughs> so now yeah. somebody's actually, you may not stand on the plug top or whatever it is. That yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what's after happening to your, your system. Somebody lobbied somebody to say it's not safe for some random dude to turn up in a, in a car park and fit adaptions. Yeah. You must use a registered supplier, which is what we did with electricity. We've done, you know, electricians, gas suppliers, builders, they all have to go through some sort of health and safety course first. They yeah, have yeah. to tick the box. We're back to ticking the boxes, guys. Yeah. And they, they go and tick a little box and they go, well, now you know what? He's safe. Thumbs up there, everybody. Great. So when there's a crash, you know, we blame the guy who's actually safe. Yeah. Uh, but we do this... Irish people particularly do this to ourselves all the time. It comes down to health and safety. It comes down to ridiculous rules. There's so many rules and laws now. No one knows them all anymore. Like no, you don't, you don't know the rules anymore. <laughs> Could be it's anything. Too many to keep track of. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm gonna not to use a motor and phone. I'm gonna change gear a little bit. Oh, good um, God. Yeah. Jesus, it's very was, echoey there, a, Danny. That was yeah. a good link. Sounds like you're in the basement, <laughs> Danny. Uh, I might as well be. I'm in what is their spare room, which is essentially Oksana's makeup room. Like it's it's all it's used. It's meant to be the home office, but it's used more for her putting on her face and getting the dungeon. It is. Just call it the dungeon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's where all the action happens. <laughs> I should be so lucky. <laughs> but the like, there's a lot of lovely cars out there. Yeah. Like it seems as though a lot of car designers have kind of you know looked at it and said all right we we have the formula for making cars look decent everything catches your eye on the road now mm. well they use a lot of lights to do that these days a lot of led things happening mm. and shapes and stuff they're trying yeah. it's like a christmas tree you know so but but there's been some howlers over the years right there's been some absolute <laughs> dog ugly cars over the years and the one this i would always point out, <laughs> this one yeah but yep. the one i will always put the fiat multiplier right? yeah Two camps on that one, mind you. It is an ugly car, but Huge when you drive it, it, when you drive it, it's got six seats. You can this put is, three people in the front. Like it's, it it's crazily big. It's a van. That's a van. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah. And you can get loads of things in the boot and have yeah. massive doors. You can throw a wheelchair, prams, whatever you want to. In the, it was just a really practical car, but from the outside, 
It's fine if you were the driver, you didn't have to look at it. But yeah. <laughs> everybody else is like, oh my God, that thing's making me feel sick. Yeah. I was still behind, I was still behind a brown field multiple on the M51 day. And I was like, oh, fuck. it's bad enough that it's a multiple. They made, they made fucking two of them, you know. They made a really ugly one. Then they made a slightly less ugly one to give it a good shot. I put making it look <laughs> as normal as they could. It still looked ugly. It's like the Italians are kind of strange with car design. But they're not selling value on those, is there, Bob? No. No, Even it, the Fiat, the Fiat Panda as well. Like, there's no selling yeah. value. Old now is cool. So um, <clears throat> memorabilia and stuff is worth money these days. Things from the 80s and the 90s stuff have suddenly become cool. The decades I grew up in now are the cool decades now. Everybody wants to go back to the 80s, do their hair like in the 80s, and do you know, or to go back in the But we do that every 20 years. We do that. So in the 80s, the 50s was cool, right? In the noughties, the eighties and nineties are cool. So we we just subtract twenty years off, and that's what's cool. So now all of a sudden, the multiple the pandas, the little Fiat five hundreds, the Bambinos, the real small little old fashioned cars, they're going for huge money because there's none of them left because they all turned into bag of rust. That's just <laughs> rusted on the ground. Little pile of rust, you swept it into a thing and threw it in the bin. That was the end of your Fiat. But yeah. there, any ones that survived now are worth a fortune. What What would you say is the biggest shite box you've ever driven? Uh, there was just two Nissan Tita would be number one uh, it, it was a car that was mm. Nissan at the time was broke Nissan had been broke for a long time mm. Nissan was, was Datsun and they were bought by various companies and run into the ground and Renault bought them and tried to steal all their money they, they had a terrible life so they they got rid of Primera which was a sort of a big saloon hatchbacky thing we had here in the country Almira, all those kind of stable cars they had to get rid of. They were on like dirty 2000s. Oh, there was like, loads. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, had yeah. a great Everywhere. fleet. Like they had Micra, Primera, Almira. They had tons of these cars, but they were rusty. And people lost interest and the design wasn't great on them. They aged badly. Uh, and then they brought out the Qashqai, which I called a cash cow. Because uh, it just like it made the company. It was the, the only car they sold for a very long time. Still today, it's their number one selling car. Duke is in there as well, but Qashqai is still out in the front. Um, but because they got rid of the Almira, <laughs> the farmers were going, hang on, I can't put a sheep into the back of this cash guy thing. This isn't happening. Where's my saloon car? I want a car with a boot on it that I can put an old bale of hay into. And these were the people who were buying Primeras. You'll see mm. pictures of Primeras with hay sticking out of sheep and goats and things in the backseat. There was none. So Nissan went, we don't have one. We stopped making the Primera. So they looked around their little toy box and found this thing called a Tida that they only sold in India. And they went, there's the car. Guess what? We have a saloon again. So they brought in Tida. Uh, some people went, oh, deadly. Saloon car and bought the car. I got sick in my mouth because it's the ugliest, weirdest <laughs> car I've ever seen in my life. You drive it, it's like driving a big tin can. Huge, big echo inside. It's all plastic. It's all, it was designed for a totally different market, but they only bought it here because they could, they could suit that market. So that was that's the number one card. It's just like offensive, but I've made a gag out of it now. I, kind of, I yeah. make TikToks about it now. You know, I go, when I see it, <laughs> Tito goes the road. I have to do it every time because they're still on the road. Uh, Tito owners, the owners club people hate me because <laughs> I have devalued that car so much. It's worth not no one in self-respect would buy it. And it's an idea. Uh, the other one is a, there's a Sang Young that I failed to remember the name of now. It's a Rodius, a Sang Young Rodius. Um, uh, another company who Sangyong had been bought and sold in Ireland a few times. Nobody mm. quite figures out how to sell Sangyong. It's a Korean company. They don't really sell over here. Nobody wants to sell it, but it's, it's a brand and people want to be in the brand. So they gave me a Rodius and I drove down the road with a paper bag over my head and holes cut in the ice. 
<laughs> I wouldn't try to throw. It's so ugly. It's so ugly. It's just beyond hideous. And any only taxi drivers could possibly want it because it has eight seats. That's the only reason that you buy a car is pure practicality stuff. Like I'm, I'm a fan. If if you're not looking out the window at your car and desiring it just by looking, if you don't think it's cool, then it's a crap. It's a crap car. You should be when you're driving on the road looking in the big windows of shops and go, "Whoa, look at that's a that's a fucking cool car." And I'm driving, <laughs> bitches. That's what you should feel. That's what yeah. a, that's what a car does. It's freedom, but it also can be cool. So if your car is not cool, you need a better car. It's just that simple. You're, you're buying the wrong cars. I mean, uh, you're writing review for that Nissan, uh, and and it's bad. Are Nissan getting onto you? No, most car companies just want you talking about your brand. They, you know, they really want you to say, like Nissan make great cars now. They make, they make, mm-hmm. they have the Aria out, they have a new Qashqai, there's a new Juke out. These cars are really, really good. And every car company has what I would class to be a duffer in it, a really bad car that they've had in their history. Somewhere back there, you'll find a thing that was a really crap car. But they'll usually go, yeah, you're right. It wasn't a great car. It's okay. We've moved on from that car. We stopped making it. We're making new ones now. These ones are good. So they're, they're usually pretty good about that. But some... Some car companies take it personally. <laughs> There's some car companies like, say, Hang on Die Ireland, who don't particularly like what I say because I give out about their cars. Really? They're the oh, number yeah, one oh, selling oh, yeah. car in the country. Oh, what is it? It's the Hyundai one. Tucson is the number one selling car in the country. More to do with the fact they had them in stock than people really wanted just that car. Yeah. Uh, Hyundai managed to hold on a good bit of stock. Toyota managed to hold on to a good bit of stock. So the top five cars in Ireland is a Hyundai Tucson and then four Toyotas. And it's because there was Jesus. it's because there was stock of those cars over the lockdown. When all the factories closed, I mean, there was a bit of stock. So they got a head start on it. But now you go into a Tesco's now in a Hyundai Tucson, you're going to park beside a Hyundai Tucson. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. You'd lose your car in a group of Hyundai Tucsons. You have to press the button to make the lights come on, you know, just to see which well, one is your. I had Hyundai for years and uh, it was very reliable. I, I they're very reliable, because- yeah. Because I had uh, because I play basketball, I wanted a big boot, so I had the i forty estate for years. Then they stopped making the i forty estates. They did, yeah. They, they were given to the guards as well, and now they had to replace them with Tucson's because they don't make the i forty anymore. And the contract was there with the guards for i forty, but they're not making it now. See, everybody moved into small SUV into that. Lift yeah, it up. Everybody shifted that. Yeah, called? crossovers. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're everywhere. They're absolutely they're horrible. everywhere. Most of them are horrible to drive as well. What to do is the the body remains the same. So like, there's a Yaris Toyota Yaris normal yeah. one. Then there's a Yaris Cross, which is the the I can't say off road. It's, it's still a tiny little Yaris. <laughs> it's just little Yaris. <laughs> so they, they put the extra suspension into it and put some plastic stuff on the outside to make it look a little tough for the city. You know, the city environment as if as if it's going to turn into a zombie apocalypse around the city. I got to need something plastic on the side so I can kill the zombies. That's what. That's the way they think. You know, they think that's going to appeal to a certain younger generation. When I just say, just buy a Yaris. It's a good car. Just buy the Yaris. It's cheaper. And we'll do exactly the same thing as the Aros Cross. These these crossover cars, man, they're like they're, they're so it's all the cash guy's fault. That's, that's <laughs> it's the cash guy. It started the whole thing off. That started the crossover the, generation of people. It's to the point now though, where like like that because I said earlier, kind of my car is getting on a bit and I started looking, and everything that I started to look at was bringing me to the crossover. It's bringing me crossover, to yeah. Peugeot 3008, it's bringing me to the Qashqai, it's bringing me to the Tucson, uh, the, the Opel uh, Grandland, I think it is, or Crossland, yeah. or one of them. See, they're all good cars, but mm. if you if you 
look at numbers on those cars, Danny, right? So uh, they're all small. So they're all yeah. small hatchbacks, but they look big. They visually look large, right? And so if you look at a, a Skoda Octavia estate or an mm. I-40 estate, they're vastly bigger than a Hyundai Tucson. It's a bigger car. There's more yeah. space inside because they're slightly longer, slightly wider. They've got three proper seats in the back. They're much more practical things. And even lifting things in and out of these crossovers because they're slightly taller. For older generation people who might be lifting some shopping out of a deep shopping trolley, which they're stupid as well. You know, the really deep ones. Yeah. You really have to get into the shopping trolley to get the thing you lost <laughs> in the bottom of the shopping trolley or turn it over. Them. If you're lifting something heavy about it, you lift it up higher to put it into one of these crossovers. But in an estate car, it's at your height. It's the same height. Estate cars are kings. And all motoring journalists will tell you that you should buy an estate car. They are the cool car. They're the practical car. They're much more useful and cheaper than any of the SUV stuff. I would have stuck with an I forty if they stopped uh, if they dis- if they didn't discontinue it. Why did the- why did they discontinue? Do you know market forces again? The same the same thing that happens all the time is that as the market generally shifted towards SUVs, they went well. Look, we're not selling nearly half of what we we're selling before, so we're just going to stop making it much easier, uh, or we're going to stop selling it in certain territories. Often happens as well. So you'll find the I forty is called something else somewhere else in the world. It still is actually on sale, but Hyundai Ireland or maybe Hyundai UK have decided they don't sell them. In the UK, our, a lot of our market is governed by what the UK does because we drive on the same side of the road as them. Hmm. So we can't just ring up Germany and go, give us a, a dozen cars because they'll, they'll be the wrong way around. Right? <laughs> so yeah. so we're, we're governed very much by what the UK decided to do. So if the UK, the popular thing in the UK has always been hatchbacks. They're, they're mad. That's where the Golf GTI was the top seller. Golf R has been a top seller there. It's the hatchback they go wild for out there. Um, and they've, they've matured into SUVs. So we're maturing with them into SUVs because we've no choice. There's nothing else on the market. So it's either the, the uh, saloon cars is Audi A8, you know, the big luxury vehicles, mm. the BMW 7 series, they're saloon cars, but everything else is kind of an SUV. Even those companies sell more SUVs than anything else. I just want something that's not going to give me any guff, and I've I've two huskies, and I need to throw them into the boot. And I, once I can once I can do that, I don't care what badge is on it. There isn't a single one. SUV crossover SUV that you could mm-hmm. buy that you can fit those two huskies into. A hundred percent, no Jeez, way. Estates, yes, but the small SUVs, no. You're going to have to go up to like BMW X5 size car, or Jesus. you know Audi Q5, something in the large that is actually an SUV to, yeah. to accommodate that. It's the shape of the car. Plus, your dogs are going to have to jump into the boot, which means yeah. all of your paintwork is going to be destroyed on the back of your oh, car with the, the dog scrambling to get in. The back bumper of my car is an there's a there's a thing there's a little tool you can buy there's a little carpet thing you can buy for your dogs. By the way, you should look it up. It sort of velcros to the floor of your car on the inside. And you just unfurl it so it covers your boot, and they, they jump on the blanket, and the blanket it's, stays in the boot. It's about four years too late, but I must look into it anyway. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, 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 modern journalists do everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that and getting dog hair out of a car. Dog it hair is, is horrific. Oh my god, yeah. man! It's never been a good solution. Thing. Still isn't. The, no. the only thing I found is like a squeegee you use for the windows, and you can fucking it's yeah. the rubber, whatever that does. But that's that's the best bit of success. And even at that, there's still a bit in it. But I'm, if, if I'm passing this thing on. God help the person. I get You just gotta love your dog more than your car. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's it. Otherwise, drown the dog and have a nice clean car. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely, definitely won't be going down that road. Hey, see, um, once you're offered with the choices, if the choices are not difficult, then you go, oh, well, I guess I like the dogs more. Exactly, yeah, I'll, yeah. Set, I'll settle for the dog hair. I'll settle for the dog hair. Um, 
we've, we've taken up plenty of reading, Bob. But uh, before Sorry. we go, we'll... we'll uh, More than enough time for you. We'll, we'll chat about something nice and lighthearted, and that is petrol and diesel prices. <laughs> <laughs> so, what? Like at home, the, earballs of just go. Oh my god, no, yeah, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> right? So at the weekend, uh, look, look, a, a well known garage that is named after a fruit, uh, had a special offer on. Now, I saw you put up on because there, there's there's two of these garages in Port Leash, and yep. you, you were up at the one near the hospital and you put up a thing, yeah, chaos. <laughs> and I was, I was down at the, the newer one at Junction 17, and I was this mm. is fucking bedlam this is right yep but the fact that people were like willing to sit like in those queues and try to avail of this offer just put into my head they put it into perspective how bonkers the whole petrol and diesel price situation is at the moment yeah is it, it, like, it, is it ever coming back is it ever going to come back then? What's it the has to the problem is so they're blaming the ukraine supply issue right because hmm. russia would have been one of the biggest producers of gas and mm. they don't necessarily produce a lot of oil, but they refine a lot of oil. So they turn oil into petrol. They're pretty good at that. They've done that for a long time. They're not the only one. OPEC countries, which be all of the Saudi Arabias and things, they produce far more oil and petroleum industry stuff than anyone else on earth, right? And they can turn the supply up and down as they please. They, they have meetings and they sit there and go, we're going, and they tell you, it's on the news. Uh, barrels were restricted today by 100,000 barrels. And they, they literally tell you, we're not giving you as much petrol as we did before, so go on there now and enjoy yourself. <laughs> the Americans have gotten into the game. The Canadians are in the game. They're all trying to supply oil. Brent crude oil went down in price. It goes down in price every single day, but our petrol price remain high and they keep blaming the Ukraine. It has to come back down, but there's another force operating right now, which is the getting rid of the internal combustion engine. So that other force now has come in from green parties across Europe. So Green Party Ireland is not solely responsible for the Green Party policy. It mm. comes from Green Party Europe. So they have to follow the European idea of what the Green Party has to do. So, But they have to amend it to make it work in Ireland. And as I said before, our Minister for Transport, the man who is responsible for making the rules and regulations around how we move around this country is anti-car. Any kind of personal car is anti-truck. Is near enough anti-bus, right? <laughs> this is, it just seems to be this really poor idea to put someone from the Green Party in charge of transport who doesn't understand transport, right? There, you've got that. There's a problem. You need somebody who understands how transport works to be a transport minister because they make rules about trucks and buses and trains and planes and everything, right? So frustratingly in Ireland, we pay some of the highest prices for fuel in Europe, Every other European country have amended their tax laws, rules, regulations, given gift cards, they've given whatever they can do to make it possible for people to drive to work. Because if, if your population is not working, you're not getting tax. And if you're not getting tax, you can't fund health services, libraries, all that stuff that you're supposed to do with tax that we don't do very well here. But you can't do that stuff. So you've got to get people to work. And we have never invested in public transport in this country. We've never done a serious job. We've only ever ripped up rail lines. We've never created a new one apart from the Lewis. The only one we've done. And we didn't connect the Lewis to the airport. Stupid. <laughs> An insane move. No one even thought of this. We are the only European capital without a direct train line to the airport from our city center, right? So you can get to Houston as a tourist in this country, and then you're on your own. How do you get to the airport from Houston, right? You've, you've traveled in by train from the other side of the country doing your bit for the environment and you want to fly home. 
What are you going to do, thumb a lift or something? It just doesn't make any, we don't think about these things. The, the proper thing to do at that point, of course, was to go to the Red Cow Roundabout, build a 15-story, multi-story car park there, and put a Lewis line from the Red Cow straight up the middle of the M50, all the way to the airport. That's the simple solution. And it's staring everyone in the face, but nobody wants to bite that, that apple. No one wants to do it. That's my solution. I've been harping on about it for 10 years now. I've been saying about connecting the Red Cow Roundabout to the Lewis line all the way to the airport out in Swords. Just follow the, the side of the M50 or go right up the center of it. I've seen that in European cities. You're driving along a motorway and a train overtakes you. You know, mm. it, they've put a train line in the middle of the motorway. It's one of makes sense. It's a simple way. It's a simple solution. And it's easy to do. We don't want to do it because it costs money because it takes years to do these things. But it's just so hard. And they just want to get reelected. So they'd go, I mean, you know, petrol prices have gone up in the Ukraine war. They divert you to everything, but they're not really doing anything to improve our lot here. We elect people to represent our interests in government. Okay, so you elect a leash representative, a Kildare representative, and they're meant to represent your interests up there, but they're also meant to have a representative interest on the national picture, the national movement, the entire country. And right now we are funding Dublin. That's it. We're not really paying attention to the other cities in the country, and Donegal might as well not exist. I was in it the other day. They feel completely disconnected from the government. Totally. Mm. All the decisions that are made, none of them are there to help Donegal. Yeah. yeah. The only way to Donegal it's, is to drive. Well, that's, yeah, that's your side of it. You ever that's see the rail mean. map from 100 years ago? And there's so yeah. Many yeah. Isn't it terrifying? Yeah. And now it's, as you say. And now we turn them into cycleways. <laughs> we do. The Waterford cycleway was a train track. That's yeah. what we did. We literally ripped it up and, oh, wouldn't it be cool to have some, some bicycles going on here? Yeah. Instead of going, no, hang on, we need a fucking train. <laughs> Yeah, and now we're going to put on train tracks again. It, the population, no one seems, everyone in the government seems to work in six months. They go six months and now we're going to do this. So no one ever thinks about 10 years from now, what it's going to be like. In 10 years time, our population is probably going to double. Mm. Okay, the world, the world population has essentially doubled since I was uh, 1970. So 1975 to 2000, to, or sorry, to 2020, the population has gone of the whole world from 4 billion to 8 billion. So it's we all one of those double. videos that like tracks, pop, it, it, it's yeah. like one of those kind of, it's like a graph, but it's going up by the, each year. And yeah. Like you're right, it gets to the seventies and suddenly it just. Yeah, it inflames. It's, and it's in the mad. next decade, it's going to go back down now. So the biggest mm. problem we have now is the birth rate has fallen off a cliff. Yeah. Okay. Now that's coming from society. It's coming from people making choices where they would have been forced into marriage and forced into having a family four, five, six. They're not forcing themselves to do that. They're, they're, they're making lifestyle choices of not getting with a partner at all. Mm. Maybe not having any kids. Maybe only have one child. So the population increase is not going up at the rate it used to. But we're still making six-month plans. We're still not thinking about what we're going to do for our generation when we're all dead and the next generation is long. Are they still going to be ripping up train lines? I don't think so. They're going to be looking for ways to move themselves around. It doesn't involve one person sitting in a two-ton car for an hour and a half setting fire to a whole heap of petrol. That sounds insane, but that's what we're doing the whole time. We do this every day, right? We get in the car and we drive unnecessarily to some little office that we don't need anymore. And we discovered during the lockdown that we realized the reason we're having this conversation and we're not sitting in the same room together is simply because we've invented every way that we have to not need transport. We don't need offices. Having an office in the middle of a city sounds ridiculous now. When you start thinking about how stupid that is, right? You could have an office anywhere. You don't even need an office now. We still somehow... We got rid of shirts and ties, right? We got rid of the kind of formal shirt and tie thing. Now we just need to get rid of the office stuff. That's that needs to go. You need to meet in a coffee shop or something. Yes, <laughs> it's much better. Yeah. It's much, much yeah. better for the environment. 
it's better for everyone. It's uh, the, the I've said it constantly. The best thing that happened during COVID for me was like that getting to work from home and realizing that yep. commute every day is just I I tricked myself into thinking this is just what you do. It's normal. Everybody does it. It's normal. You thought getting up at five o'clock in the morning and driving for an hour and a half to somewhere to sit yeah. in an office half asleep, staring at a wall, waiting for the clock to count down so you can get the hell out of there. And then drive another hour and a half home when it's dark, right? Yeah. Now, when you have kids, that head, your head changes somewhat. Mm-hmm. When there's children involved, you, you, they're in bed by the time you get home, and it, it really changes the whole conversation. But when you're young and single, you can do whatever you want to do, right? Mm-hmm. You can go really like you can work as hard as you want or as little as you want to get drunk on the weekends, do all it. But there's a there's a point that tips over into maturity. You go, I'm just getting too old to do this. Now I need to do something more sensible with my time. As, as you get older and time becomes short, it becomes, it's a rational thing. You start to go, good God, the last 10 years went by like in a blink. 10 years ago, that child at that size. Now look, they're like a little adult now. You know, there's this, there's this moment in time that passes very quickly. And if you don't pay attention to it and have a bit of fun in the early part, by the time you get to my age, you're too tired and old and sick to have the fun part, right? So you need to have the fun. We do life upside down. You need to have fun early on. As much fun as you want there, John, and have have a good crack out there, and then do the rest later. You know, you you can you could sleep on a couch till you're about twenty five or twenty six, and then go to college. You come out qualified, you'll probably get a job in your thirty. It's fine. What's the, what's the difference? You can't buy a house anyway. There's no houses. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what's the point? It's uh, yeah. The housing is uh, something we'll leave for the next one. Jesus Christ. That's a- <laughs> Honestly, that is a thorny topic. It's oh it's a, everything's thorny in Ireland. Everything is thorny in the world at the moment because the population of the world is is in transit. Yeah. So we are migrating at a higher rate. And I know it doesn't seem like in Ireland we still see there's people coming and going. The Ukrainians are coming. And it seems like a lot of people, and it seems like there's a lot more foreigners in the country. And but actually, I was speaking to a man yesterday who, for all the world, looks like a fellow who walked out of the Philippines. Right, just mm. just came from Southeast Asia somewhere. Let's say his 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 physical description is a Southeast Asian person. He was dressed, he had flip flops on, shorts. The whole thing looked like he just came straight out of somewhere in Southeast Asia, and he had the thickest Dublin Tala accent you've ever heard in your life. The pictures did not match yeah. the sound at all. Right, it's totally different. And that for me is weird because I actually remember meeting the very first time I ever met in my life an actual black person. So I I can remember that it's my lifetime in Ireland. That was in Kildare Town when I was a kid. A, a, a very, very dark, heavy set black man got off a bus by mistake, thought it was nice. And the whole town went, oh my God, that's a black person. First one I ever seen, that was 1976. But they've been on TV, they're on, uh, um, all nationalities were on BBC and they were, they, were, they were there. But I just hadn't seen an actual one, a yeah. real physical person. So that's in my lifetime. So Ireland's doing pretty good at, yes. at having a, a mixed race here. I was going to say, it's it's it's, you know, it's definitely a good thing to see that we've come a long way where, you know, like the, the fact that, and I, I think I, I remember my parents saying something similar, all right. I can remember like when they were in school and uh, a black uh, child came into the school mm. and, and everyone was like, what's the, and it was like stop and stare kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas, whereas now it's, you don't bat an eyelid, of course, it's the right, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. we've, co- we've come a long way and it's for the better. 
And now we have a pile of people putting fake tan on themselves to make themselves look black. Well, listen, that's it's crazy. Gonna, when it's I'm like, going to go watch Love Oil in there with fake tan central. Do you know what I mean? That's <laughs> they, they go on about it like it's something. They put fake tan on. They're so dark all of a sudden. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's nearly like the blacking up thing that they would have done years ago for movies. You know, the black and white minstrels or any of that sort of stuff that's just non-PC anymore. They're kind of doing it now with fake yeah, tan, you know. That's it. You can't. Yeah, the whole blackface thing. Was it the Canadian Prime Minister? Was he the one that got done for Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he got it, you know. It's, it's easy to look at the past that's documented on television. And go, mm. oh no, that's very wrong. You can't do that anymore. That's an easy thing to do because it's all it's all on TV, it's all on video, it's all on YouTube now. You know, so it's easy yeah. to go, my God, weren't they really? But it, that happens every every lifespan do things that was bad to the next lifespan. So the, the kids of the people of the First World War cannot believe how bad the First World War was, and you know, hundreds of thousands died in pits and things. But they all went to war. Yeah, <laughs> they all yeah. went. So they didn't think it was bad. They only thought it was bad when they got there. And it's the same for us. We've, we've done it. We went through the 50s and 60s and started to made a laugh of different races and different. Uh, we look at some of the old cowboy movies. All the, all mm. the, I hate to say the word Indians. They're not Indians. They're, they're the original people who lived in America. Yeah. They lived in Canada. We would call them Indians on television, uh, uh, Native Americans. We call it, but it wasn't America. It was a different country when they owned it. They owned yeah, the country. Yeah. We stole it from them. That's, that's essentially what we did. But in all the cowboy movies on TV, it's all played by a white guy. Uh, yeah. Always, every single one of them, because there was no Native Americans to actually bring in and put in. They couldn't get them to put them in front of a camera. So he used to put rock Hudson and paint them brown and put a thing around his head. And he, and he played the token Indian, you know. Um, so the white speaking man role was blackface. That's what they were doing. And they won't show them on TV anymore. But they were good movies. But it was just of its time. They just, there mm. wasn't a Native American actor to put into it now. It's a bit like getting, yeah. getting someone who's able bodied to play a disabled person. You know, now yeah, that, in, in, in 10 years time, that'll be seen as a bad thing, but they're they doing it now. It's on TV now. They just call it acting. Right? They did it in which Meryl? They did an avatar. Suppose they did yeah. it left foot with Chris, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis as well. Yeah. Now he did a good job. I'm not saying, I'm not taking away from his job, but, and it's very hard to get an actor, a disabled actor for a certain part. That's pretty hard to do. Right. Yeah, but the yeah. way to normalize everything is to show it to you all the time. So if you want a disabled actor to act in a movie as a romantic lead, you're going to, you have to cast it. I'm sorry, they're just as qualified as anybody else to act, right? Mm. So it, we're doing it again, but we're doing it in a much more subtle way. We're doing that same sort of instinctive feel of keeping things to ourselves and what, keeping in our own little tribes and let's not let other people into our tribe. We're just doing it again because we're the same as the prehistoric. If we met someone from 100,000 years ago on the street, we'd recognize them as human, just like us. They might not speak our language, but they'll look like us for sure. Yeah. So we, we haven't really changed. Our attitude is still the same. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you, man. Do appreciate the time. Um, and if people want to check out your YouTube and your TikTok and all your social medias and everything, where can they get you? TikTok is the primary one if you want to see what I'm up to. But uh, Instagram is pretty good. I do Snapchat as well. I don't understand Snapchat. But I have millions of followers on Snapchat. <laughs> it's a wild place it's good fun but that's that's like instantaneous story so go to Snapchat but my YouTube channel is where you find all the car review stuff uh, where I interact with comments and things so if you actually want to watch any of the car review stuff that'll be all there and I'm doing a TV show that I made of mine in a couple of weeks so I hope to do a little bit of TV thing with cars again so it's all about cars Brilliant, brilliant. And well, are you able to say when the, the TV thing will be happening? Or Not yet. It's oh, right. right now we're about to start shooting it. So it won't brilliant. be far away. I'm hoping it'll be on like early next year. That's the plan. 
but then yes. you know plans of mice and men uh, I've had these TV conversations many times with people and they go oh I like a TV show and then they go oh my god how much does it make the TV show yeah, <laughs> yeah well, uh, we've, we've had Paul Howard on the podcast plenty of times and he's talked about kind of you know like the Ross O'Carroll Kelly books and TV and all that kind of stuff and he said the, the best thing that was ever said almost until you're sitting there the first ad break has happened on the first episode yeah don't, don't don't take it for granted, kind of thing. Yeah, because so, I've been doing YouTube when I did when I started YouTube first. If you don't mind me saying, before, when I started yeah, YouTube yeah. first, right? It was like twelve years ago when I started YouTube. I think twelve or mm. thirteen or something. Uh, and for me, it sounded logical. Just let's just make car because there were so many car reviews that were just doing text and picture on a website or in a magazine, but no one was doing video. So I went, eh, look, I'm just going to make videos. There has to be an angle from Top Gear here somewhere, right? Yeah, you can yeah. do something. So. I filmed really crap reviews. They were bad. But they gave me an idea of what I could do if I got a better camera and got better sound and did so invest a bit of money in it. Uh, I had no job. I had no nothing. I had no money to do this. So I took a chance and started making new. And people started telling me it's only for kids dancing. It's only for cats falling downstairs. It's only for TV shows to upload. Their, it's that's that's what YouTube was. And suddenly I was there making videos, right? And nobody took it seriously. And about 12 months in, I'd made, I don't know, 20 videos or something, something like that. One, nearly one a week. And I had a couple of thousand subscribers and YouTube monetized. And there was money coming in. And then another five years passed by and nobody's paying much attention to this YouTube channel. And all of a sudden I'm flying around the world because car companies are bringing me and dropping me in all kinds of places in the world to drive off. Morocco, America, anywhere you choose in Europe, all of the Nordic countries. And suddenly it's me and they don't want text from me. They want video from me. Yeah. And now, 10 years in, the only people who really get invited on any of those international trips are video people, people who make videos. And so two years ago, I started TikTok. <laughs> and everyone said, that's for dancing girls and falling downstairs, cats and all, you know, horses and things. That's all you're, that's all you're going to see on tips. TikTok's for kids. Go away. Two years later, I can't go outside the front door without being recognized and ask for a selfie. And it's coming from TikTok. I was in Sweden. Two lads from Drada ran up to say hello. Can I get a picture? I couldn't leave in the middle of Sweden. That came from TikTok. So uh, I, I find it very difficult. I laugh when, when I start something, people go, oh, no, you're too old for that. You can't do that. That's for kids. They just don't see it come. It's like a freight train. And everything I've done, every other modern journalist has started a TikTok maybe six months after I did. Once they stopped laughing at what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> and then re- I went, hold on a second. What's he doing? How does he get 100,000 subscribers? How did that happen? I didn't even notice it because it's not their platform. So I did it again on Snapchat, did it on TikTok. So never listen to anybody. If you, if you have an idea to do something, just do it. Just don't listen to anyone around you. Just go ahead and try it. And if you fail, you'll learn something. Because if you didn't try in the first place, you never learn. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dead right. TikTok sensation. Post. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I have it's a, a brilliant story. Movie. I have a brilliant. I've never really thought I, I didn't tell anyone on this podcast. I have a brilliant story about about TikTok. How it started because I I answered a question, and it's like a scoreboard. So it's just a number goes up. You know, views, subscribers, mm-hmm. things. And I woke up one morning and I had nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine plus written on the screen. So that's as high as that thing could count. So I had I gained over ten thousand followers since the last time I opened up. But I, we were locked down. I wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> See, just going. And then one afternoon, I decided I'd just stroll up to Little and get myself a little bottle of wine and, and a baguette or something past the day, you know, because we're all in lockdown and Little is very close to where I live. So I stroll up town, a couple of lads beeped horns, passing by. I'm thinking, how does he, how do I know him? 
I don't know that that at all. Where did you come from? <laughs> to pass me by. I get the little, I go in and buy me a little bottle of wine and talk to the manager. The girl behind the counter, she goes, you're probably having on TikTok. And everybody's doing it. They're all going, what the, f- what's going on here? I come outside the door and little car park is just jammed with cars. And there's a queue of people to get a selfie with me. During lockdown. They just all phoned you. Bob Flavis would sound. Bob Flavis. What's after happening? What they do? I thought there's something wrong. But it was just TikTok. I didn't realize what was after happening during the lockdown. So I hadn't been outside. Yeah. No yeah. one had seen me. Everyone knew I was in Port so No one really knows me walking around the place <laughs> before. Now all of a sudden I got to go outside the door. It's calmed down a bit now, but it, it was That's this mad, sensation. Thing. It was crazy. Like you said, wild. two lads from Dradal in Sweden last night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a guy on the plane. And they talk to you like they know you. Just the thing, you know, <laughs> talk to you like you're a mate of theirs to meet every week. And then you stand there. I stand there like an old man going, do I actually know this guy? Or is this a TikTok moment? Again? <laughs> so you don't know. You kind of go, it could be Jimmy or someone you've met two years ago. You just forgot the guy. But yeah. uh, he's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's terrible around here, Bob. Yeah, sure. I'm just on a plane in the middle of Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, I'll drive, sure, fly over here the whole time. He's in my car at home. And he goes, do you know me from TikTok? Yeah. Oh, that's all right then. Go ahead. <laughs> Keep talking. It's fine. I don't have to remember your name. <laughs> well, that's the one thing. Yeah, not being able or not having to remember people's names definitely brings a bit. I'm used to that. So never expect me to remember anyone's name. That is. <laughs> People sure. walk up to me in the middle of the street and go, I met you at a car show two years ago. Do you remember me? <laughs> no, I don't remember last week. If I, if I happen to boom into your middle, I'll just pretend it's from TikTok. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just walk up. Go. I like your I like your podcast. <laughs> Give me a clue. Uh, Bob, it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks so much. No problem and, at all. Uh, yeah, look, look forward to it. And you, you have a podcast coming back as well. So I was meant to say it to you earlier. Yeah, I'm gonna to put together a few podcast things. I'm actually making more than one podcast, so I'm going. Uh, you're in the right zone where I'm heading for right now because mm. I think podcast is the way right now. I think podcast is going to replace television. I think television will be null and void in five or six years' time. Mm. Uh, and I really think it's coming out like a like a massive freight train. And I think people will spend audio, will spend two hours with you, an hour with you every day if, they, if they're in. And it's, it's their own little tiny experience with you one-to-one. They yeah. don't get it on television. They don't get it on YouTube. They get a little bit of it on TikTok, but with a podcast, a very personal thing. So I think what I'm going to do is end up creating maybe three or four. Podcasts. One to be a motoring podcast with a friend of mine, Mark Noble. Uh, we're going to talk about cars. Nobby, oh, yeah. Nobby yeah, yeah. on cars, yeah. Um, we're going to talk about cars and things. So me and him are getting together to do that, uh, just finding the schedule time to do that. And another one is more about humans. Mm. So what it is to be a human in modern society, uh, yeah. which is nothing at all to do with cars. But we're not going to be talking to all kinds of people. Just put together a big guest list for that. Absolutely, man. Brilliant, yeah. And you're dead right. That's like the one thing me and Mero have always said about this is the amount of people that when they listen and they, you know, message you or whatever and they, they say they were trying to almost interrupt the conversation. They yeah. Feel like they're part of it. And that's, that's the beauty of said that. Yeah, <laughs> like that, it's that kind of thing. And that's, we always love that kind of stuff. So, yeah, no, truly, yeah, your, your podcast is very, very good. I listened to a couple of episodes after you emailed me. I went straight mm-hmm. in and I started having a route through the episodes. Very good. You're very engaging. It works very well. Uh, you let your guest be a guest, which is very unusual. A lot of podcast hosts will will dominate the conversation, and the guest is not really a guest; they're just there to make the host feel better. Mark Maron will be one of those people. You know, it's those kind of Americanized things where it's my show and you're on it. Uh, whereas you guys do the opposite; you let other people come on just do their thing. Pat Kenny does it. You know, the, the kind of late late show vibe. It's his show. You're just here as the as the uh, comedy yeah, yeah. turn sort of thing. It's that kind of. <laughs> That vibe. I don't really like that show. <laughs> I wouldn't mind being on it, but I, I don't really like it. it. Wouldn't be my kind of show. Well, yeah, look, I mean, I'm too young. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> it's, it's the thing with the Late Late Show, man. One week you could have, you know, Tommy Tiernan and you could have, yeah, like, Johnny Sexton and it could be a line-up of people. You're like, oh, yeah, all right, okay. And next week it's two numbers. And, yeah, I was going to say, two numbers. Yeah. And, a fe- and a fella from Cork has lost a donkey. Do you know, like, it's There's just... Some lad that they found out in the back department who they'd forgotten about 30 years ago on RT and went, oh, there's a better game on the yeah, letters. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's on Yeah, yeah. He's on Boy, 15 years. stay right there. We might come to you in a minute. I don't remember what your name again. <laughs> You need to, yeah. a lot of television has no energy left because because all the energy humans have has been spent on social media and it's a horrible yeah. social media is shite like that's it's not social it's not even fucking media most of the time it's just a rant that comes on um, but there is a huge cohort of people who put a lot of effort and most TV stars have moved to TikTok most of the news channels and news readers they've all got TikTok channels themselves TV stations did it as well. They've all on YouTube, so they're all devolving themselves. They're actually mm. pilfering their own people for social media, so they're their own competition. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, RT puts out a, RT have their own late late show YouTube channel, uh, which is a verified account, and they upload their own stuff there. And the copyright strike, everyone around them dares upload anything about it, RT, so they're very defensive about it. But that will be the undoing of television. Unfortunately, it's it's, it's common. It's on the cards. It'll definitely just fall apart because we want to devour the content we want when we want it and how we like to do it. That's it. That's how Netflix Absolutely. was successful. Not, not so much anymore, but it yeah. was successful at the time. That's it. You're dead right. That's, you know, everybody wants it now and they want all of it all at once. So, yeah. You know. And they want to flick between things. They want to go might watch a bit of TikTok, a bit of Instagram, a bit of stories, a bit of YouTube, and they might do all it in one hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. In a single hour, they've consumed more content per day than other people watching television would do in a whole week. That's it. That's it. Yeah, Bob, as I said earlier, it's been a pleasure. Oh, sorry, man. yeah. And no, you're grand. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, and yeah, look, hopefully we get through this again. It's been a blast, man. So uh, anytime, for that. anytime. Get in touch. Excellent, anytime. Bob. Thanks Any so questions? much for your time. Very no general. problem at all. We said at the intro we've never done a motoring episode, and we probably still haven't. We had, <laughs> a, motor, we had, we, we had a motoring journalist on, and I'm not entirely sure that we talked to him enough about cars to qualify. Uh, but look, that's how it goes. He was an absolute joy to talk. A gentleman is Bob Flower. And like you said, uh, there's plenty of time in the future to get him back, such as the world of motoring, where new cars are always being brought out and stuff like that. Exactly. And I'm sure we, 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 we might actually you remember the time we had uh, Mac on, the dog trainer. Yeah. And we asked people to ask questions. We might actually, in a future episode, ask people to write in questions about cars and stuff for, for Bob. That's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. I'll, I'll pitch that idea to Bob. But, uh, yeah. but well, the one thing I will say, I'm very thankful, is I learned more about EVs in that hour chat. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because you can do all the Googling you want, but actually talking to somebody who knows their arse from their elbow and yeah. understands what everything is, it Google well, Google's brilliant, but talking to somebody who knows their shit is a million times better. Ah, Bob, yeah, but Bob like even, even when I was uh, trying, shopping around for an electric car last year, mm. and I was looking at the infrastructure and all, I, I, I said, I, I said to Bob, I don't think the even the ports, the the charging points mm. are even wheelchair accessible. He said, hundred percent, they're not. Hundred percent are not. I mean, I wouldn't. You would have assumed that they were like. Well, that's I. I know. I've I've seen a couple of the like the EV parking bays, and my first reaction to them has been. You wouldn't, you wouldn't get a wheelchair. Like they're not, do you know the way the wheelchair yeah. spots are wider and they have the kind of little area at the side? Yeah. yeah. I was like, there's no way, or if you're, you know, like if you if, if you're in any way 
not uh, like able-bodied where you have to swing the door out fully to, to get out or in a car or get into the car. Do you know what I mean? If you're not as mobile, like mm. it, there's a lot of these EV spots, you definitely wouldn't be able to do that. They're, they're, they're glorified normal spots with just a tiny little bit of extra room. Yeah. Um, almost like the, not even actually, the, the mother and baby spots or the parent and child spots, that's very sexist to me just to say mother and baby. I apologise, folks. But the parent parking spots you see yeah. are, are bigger and more accommodating than some of the EV spots I've seen. Yeah, for yeah. Charging, so. uh, but anyway, yeah, look, that, that was great. It was a great chat with Bob. Do check him out on uh, social medias and on YouTube and on TikTok and all those places. Um, it's it's good value, as they say. That's it Ready? for this week. That's it for this week. Mero, if people want to check out previous episodes, where can they do so? They can go to WTSpod.com or else they can go to any podcast provider and search WTSpod. Uh, Suxy is cleaning his town halls in the background and it's very distracting is that what the noise uh, is yeah <laughs> <laughs> w- search WTS pod on any podcast provider pod podcast republic stitcher apple podcast anywhere and everywhere you get a podcast uh, you got the at WTS pod on twitter he's at Dan John Murray everywhere I'm at Mary Gomania everywhere and uh, yeah I think that's it I got distracted by my dog uh, cleaning his town hall so apologies about that Quite until happy. next time clear ways Full hearts. And two. Two sweet. <laughs>